you, co-housing, and four ways. This is Patterns of Development. Hey everyone, I'm Kyle Gulau, and on this show, Patterns of Development, we take less than 10 minutes each week to deconstruct what's going on in real estate architecture and urban planning. And this week, the year 2021 comes to a close, and I was trying to think about how to position this episode. Do I do the same thing as always, or do I change it up a little bit? And I've been experimenting with the format of this show this December, and, and really all year, I guess, and I thought I'd try just one more variation. As the year ends, people naturally look towards the future and start planning. And I thought, where are those big ideas, those ideas worth spreading that could springboard us into 22? And it led me to TED Talks, whose catchphrase is, of course, ideas worth spreading. This episode is a summary of the four most viewed architecture TED Talks. I went to TED.com and applied the filter architecture and sorted by most viewed and what came up. Well, Living on Mars, Bamboo Houses, The Great Wall of China, and The Leaning Tower of Pisa. All great topics, but not quite on point for this show. So I skipped to talk number six, number nine, number 13, and number 14. And so here are those TED Talks distilled, and then some pattern recognition, of course. This is Patterns of Development. We'll start with the first TED Talk, talk number six, tagged with the words architecture and sorted by all-time views, is why buildings of the future will be shaped by you. Mark Kushner was the speaker. And first thing you need to know is that this talk was given in 2014. Okay, keep that date in the back of your mind. Mark shows a picture of two libraries. One looks kind of old-fashioned. There's a rotunda, there's some bricks, the building's very symmetrical, and he shows a picture of another, and it's made up entirely of glass and steel, and it looks like a pyramid tipped on its side with some extra points coming off the ends. And he asks the question, how is it that these two buildings are libraries? and yet they look totally different from one another. And I love that question. It's certainly a leading question, but I love it because it's implying that we all expect our libraries to look the same, or at least kind of the same. So what is that symbol for library? What should every building look like? And this question or this idea, I think is the thesis of his talk. And he never says this, he never says it, but I think what he's getting at is this idea of form following function. So through his talk, he starts to cover a lot of good architectural history ground, which for the sake of time, I'm going to skip. And he gets to the point of saying that finally, the speed of communication has caught up with the speed of architecture. He shares how social media will change and be used as a tool to share 3D renderings of a project to get feedback from the public before it's even built, shortening the feedback cycle for architects, ultimately building what the community really needs. Now, I told you to remember, the date of the talk was 2014. If you rolled your eyes at any of that, you're not alone. I did it, and I have in my notes, I thought, that's so cute, Mark. It's idealistic almost that now, only seven years later, in an age where fake news is now common terminology, the strategy to use social media to get feedback almost seems wrong. And this brings us back to the library question that he asked at the start of his talk. And this is what I do agree with Mark on. There's no answer to the library question. The library as a symbol is specific to the community it's in. And yes, you should get feedback from the public to make sure that that symbol and that emotion is aligned with what the community needs and how they'll use it. If I got to ask Mark a question after his TED Talk, I would ask him, because in his talk he gave an example where he used social media to get feedback, I would ask him how he used that feedback to change the project for the better. Because asking for feedback is one thing, implementing it is another. 
Okay, okay. Big ideas for Mark, and he really swung for the fences. Who's next? Who's next? Okay, talk number nine by Peter Calthorpe, and it's titled Seven Principles for Building Better Cities. And I'll keep this one short and sweet. Top quote from Peter here uh, is this. There's a villain in this story, and it's Sprawl. Common theme on this show. Sprawl does affect us all, and I love how Peter's definition of Sprawl gives it two key attributes, isolation and separation. In the United States, we have sprawl by space, creating separation. And he gave another great example of China, where high-density sprawl actually creates isolation. His seven principles for building better cities are, number one, preserve the natural environment. Number two, mix, not just land use, but income and age. Number three, make it walkable. Number four, prioritize a bike network. Number five, connect the city by increasing the density of your transportation network. Number six, allow more people to ride by investing in public transit. And number seven, match density to transit capacity, which I wish he elaborated on that one more because I'm not quite sure what he means by it. Anyway, no big surprises here from Peter, but I love his definition of sprawl. On to the next one. Talk number 13 is how co-housing can make us happier by Grace Kim. And Grace opens up with the word loneliness. Her TED Talk talks about how loneliness is the lack of social connection And she shows an image of the classic separation sprawl and talks about how architecture contributes to that isolation. Remember what we just learned from Peter? Grace talks about her co-housing project where they took a traditional mid-rise building and intentionally built spaces, courtyards, and a common house to add a level of interaction to living collaboratively with neighbors. This building, with specific nodes to elevate that collaboration, helps combat sprawl and loneliness for the folks who live there. Grace measures communitas, as how frequently neighbors eat with one another, she wraps up her talk encouraging people to interact with their neighbors, walk, and share meals together. And finally, talk number 14 is four ways to make a city more walkable by Jeff Speck. If you listen to Peter and you listen to Mark and you say, yeah, that's great, but how? How do you do that? Jeff finally delivers, giving so much tactical wisdom. We've talked about this before on the show. The general theory of walkability needs four things. Number one, people need a reason to walk. Number two, people want to feel safe and be safe when they walk. Number three, people want to be comfortable. And number four, the walk must be interesting. Essentially, you have to incentivize people to walk. A walk must be better than a drive. And Jeff talks about in his TED Talk two types of cities. The traditional neighborhood, which is compact and diverse in use. Live, work, shop, recreate, educate, all in proximity. And sprawl, apparently the villain in almost all architecture talks, I really like Peter's definition of sprawl and Grace's contribution of loneliness that it brings. That's really focused on the person. Jeff's version of sprawl calls out the isolation of activities. Sprawl is the place where you only, you only shop here, you only live there, you only work there, you only teach over here. And every building that supports those activities just continually gets bigger and they continue to spread out. One type of city has the foundation to recover and support walkability, the traditional neighborhood. Sprawl fundamentally cannot support walkability because everything is so spread out. Of course, it's a two-part American dream. As we've talked about on this show, people want the suburbs, they want what it offers, and they're moving there. But this comes in two parts. If you want the cookie-cutter home on the lake, you're going to end up driving more miles and dealing with more traffic, which leads us to our patterns of development. The last of the year. Number one, the speed of communication has caught up to architecture. There used to be a long period of planning and construction before an architect got feedback from the public. Now, with renderings and social media, it's possible with an open-minded architect to build a community-serving space and place. Number two, sprawl affects us all. 
Through separation and isolation, there are long-term effects on the environment and our own physical and mental well-being that sprawl directly impacts. And number three, it is possible to make places where the car is, as Jeff Speck says, optional rather than required for freedom. By following some of Peter Carthrop's recommendations, mixing use, creating green space, and increasing density of places, transportation networks, we can make places more walkable. That's all for this year. I'll talk to you in 22. Please email me, Kyle, at PatternsOfDevelopment.com with any feedback, thoughts, questions, topics to cover on future episodes. That'd be awesome. And of course, the big shout out to Rafi. Everyone who talks to me about this podcast tells me they love the theme. Rafi, thank you. Everyone, please check out his music on Spotify. And with that, let's keep looking for the patterns and building better cities. Talk to you all soon.